Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Self-Published Wrong Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Pearson, and I'm joined today by my husband. Hi, I'm Nolan. And if you're listening to the show for the first time, this is the best podcast for publishing and marketing tips, motivational quotes, and tons of advice and ideas on the craft of writing itself based off of great and awful movies. Did you see what I did there? You actually did it. I did. Without having to forget. And then then do it halfway through the show. Yeah. (laughs) Are you proud of me? I am. Oh, good. I'm so glad you're so proud of me. Okay, so um, lots of crazy stuff going on right now. Uh, My dad is having open heart surgery on August 1st, and Josh, our audiovisual guy, is going to be out of town that week. So we are recording this episode right now, and then we're going to record next week's episode in a couple of hours, probably sometime today, maybe tomorrow, possibly even Wednesday, honestly, in case we need time to gather ourselves. But um, so please, um, when this next episode goes live, not today's, but next week's goes live, I'll probably be hopefully hanging out with my dad in the hospital. Please keep him in your prayers and thoughts. He's got a bleeding disorder that makes it so he has, like, he almost bleeds to death. I don't know. Like last year he had knee surgery and he didn't stop bleeding for a week after he was in the hospital for five days and they were giving him transfusions and nothing was working. And they finally found out he's got a very rare, he knew he had a bleeding disorder. And what sucks is the doctor, um, the doctor who figured out he had a bleeding disorder didn't do an official test. He just said, hey, you've got this bleeding disorder and put it on his chart. Well, then he had another doctor a few years ago who disagreed and said, you don't have a bleeding disorder. She removed it from his chart so that when he had a surgery, what did they do? They gave him ibuprofen or something. They just treated normally. They treated him like a normal patient, but you have to treat him specially because he has a bleeding disorder and he didn't stop bleeding. They, they, they sent him home and for two days he just kept bleeding at home. And then he finally went back to the hospital and they checked him in for five days until they figured out, could figure out how to get him to stop bleeding. And it was really, really kind of freaky anyway. So he's been having chest pains for the last few months and went, finally went and got it checked out. Cause you know, he's like, I don't need to go in. (laughs) My mom made him go in and they made, they admitted him for the night and Checked him out, and they found that when they did the angiogram a couple weeks later, they found that he has three blocked arteries, right? And they're like, we could do stents, but then he'd have to be on blood thinners for the rest of his life, and that's really bad when you already when you don't clot, when your blood doesn't clot. And so they're like, well, the only other option is open-heart surgery. Um, but when he has a bleeding disorder, bleeding disease, open-heart surgery, you know, I mean, that's a lot of ways to have blood, you know? And so we're kind of all freaking out. We're very worried. Uh, so keep, keep him in your prayers. Okay. So what's the movie we are doing today, Mr. Nolan? It's not a movie. Oh, what? I know. <laughs> it is BBC's adaptation of? ABC Murders. ABC Murders. And what was ABC Murders originally? The book. By? I forget. Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie, yes. Yeah, it, was, it came out in 1936 by Agatha Christie. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to talking about this one. We've got lots to discuss on it, but first we need to do updates and stuff. Are you ready to give updates? Sure. Okay. What are your updates? Um, just working on things. Um, I drew a picture that I have to finish. Oh, to scan it probably after this is done. I can't edit out my little owl. I actually just scratched myself pretty badly. I'm like our baby right now. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So my updates, um, I've got, I've been doing a whole bunch of Facebook tests and Nolan knows a couple, some of this stuff already, but there's some that I haven't told him yet that I wanted to discuss with him as part of our podcast today. 
Okay, so I said, like those of you who listen regularly know, I like to do Facebook ads to test out elements of my book cover and my description and things like that before I have something go live, at least one of my big books. I don't usually do this with, you know, later books and series because by that point I already know. Anyway, so we, I put up Facebook tests that were, like I said last week, I was trying to figure out which book cover would have to have be the main book, you know, book cover for book one, book two, book three, and so on. Well, those ones with the man on them testing to see which man should be on book one, those are average around 40 cents a click. And that's something you already knew, right? Yes. Okay. So what I noticed was that more men than women clicked and the ages skewed slightly older. My next test was trying to figure, was trying to, okay. At that point I was like, okay, these are my book covers, but now I need to decide on an image for my Facebook ads. And so I put up two images and have them, had them run against each other to see which one would be my main image for my Facebook ads. One of them was the magic. And one of them was the magic with a dagger. The one with the magic only got 24 cents a click more women than men clicked on it. So about a quarter of them were men. And it was evenly distributed by age 35 to 44 clicked just as much as ages 55 to 64. Okay. Then the gear with the dagger, this, um, got 18, um, the magic with a dagger, this got 18 cents a click and it's slightly more men than women. In the beginning, it was almost completely more men than women, but now it's just almost half and half. But this is something that I'm not sure what to think about it. The audience skews younger on this one. My target audience, the readers who historically have liked my books are women in about 55 and and to 65 years of age. Is this something I should be concerned about? I mean, what are your thoughts? They have money and the most leisure time to read. Um, youth. Oh, sorry. No, I thought you said it skewed older. No, it skewed younger. The audience skews younger on the ad that's doing the best. Oh, not necessarily. How young? Like 25 years old. No. 25 year olds are historically not readers of ebooks though. They read print books. Do they? Yeah. And, or they just don't read at all. People don't start reading a lot until they're like mid thirties to forties. It's because raising kids is, you know, hard. (laughs) People are so busy with lives, careers and all that, that they don't, you know, and that's one reason why with adult books, if the book or sorry, if the main character isn't in her thirties, then adults in their forties and fifties won't want to read it because you know, it's, they don't consider 25 year olds to be adults yet. Not really. But again, like, is this something I need to worry about? I mean, this is a new series. I have no idea. I might have a, a younger audience, you know, if they buy, then it doesn't matter if they buy and read, it doesn't matter. So is this something we're going to just figure out once the book gets released? I don't know. I mean, people are clicking on it. I mean, I guess the trick is if you put it in for pre-order and they don't, it is pre-ordered. I have five pre-orders on it. I have not been testing for that. So what I'm going to do is I mean, oh, test for buyers. Exactly. So, um, but, but what I need to make sure is what we're figuring is the dude that's on the book cover right now is not going to work. And so what I'm going to do next is I'm going to set up a test where it's going to be the man on the cover and then the cover without the man. And it's going to be the actual cover with my name, the title, everything. And I'll have those compete against each other. And I know that'll cost more on Facebook because text costs more, but whichever one gets the best clicks and costs, um, is going to be whichever is going to be the book cover. 
And then at that point, I will gear the ad to the book cover because the disconnect, I don't want there to be a huge disconnect. You know, if people aren't pre-ordering, it's either there's a disconnect or they're never going to pre-order. And I don't want to target my ads to people who are never going to pre-order or download. Uh, that's another thing though. Uh, people almost never pre-order they, unless they already know you. And so, or if it's like somebody, well, they already know you. Yeah. So these are not my regular readers. I'm not targeting my readers. I'm targeting random people. And so if the book were published, I need to keep this. This is like an asterisk on that thought, you know, maybe, maybe things are totally fine. And if the book were published, I would be getting a ton of downloads. You know, we don't know we're getting good clicks. So anyway, yeah, I haven't told anybody the book's up for pre-order. It's only been up for uh, like five days and it's got five, um, five pre-orders and those have all come in the last two days, yesterday and today. Okay, so let's go on to the quote. Uh, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity, and an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Winston Churchill. Okay, why'd you choose that one? Because uh, it's during World War II. Yeah, this actually fit. I was well. Actually, I think this is World War One. It's it? World War One because yeah. she wrote the books in the thirties. Yeah, but you know, same-ish time period. Actually, it's just before. Yeah, and it actually fits because he is. A sad optimist. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, we're not going to talk about it right now because yes, but yeah, I really like that. Um, an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Okay. So the tip for today, we're going to be talking about getting reviews, collecting reviews, gathering reviews for the next several episodes. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this because this is a topic I'm passionate about and I've got a ton, a gajillion tips on on getting reviews over a whole page of single space tips. So my first tip, and this is going to rub some people wrong is ask for beta readers and friends and family to post honest reviews. And it's considered tabby by a lot, but it works really well. As long as the review says that they're beta readers, their family they're you know, as long as the review is honest and that they, if applicable, received a free copy of the ebook and that they're posting an honest review of the published version of the book. So especially if they're beta readers, you don't want them posting reviews of the unpublished version. But the whole point of this is to get you over the zero review status so that paying customers will feel more comfortable posting their own reviews. And readers are intelligent people. They can go and read a review that says, hi, I'm the author's mother, but I did enjoy this book. Or hi, I'm the author's brother-in-law and I did not enjoy this book. One of my family members gave me a three-star review on one of my books and I didn't hurt my feelings. I was like, that was an honest review. It's legit, you know? And that person actually liked the first book, but did not like the second book anyway. So, uh, like I said, this is only to get you over that, the hump of not having any reviews because getting people to download is really difficult if you don't have any reviews. And this is for when you're for when you're very first starting out, there are easier ways to get reviews that I will, well, not necessarily easier when you're first starting out, but I will talk about quite a bit about them later on. So those of you who are more advanced, or even if you are advanced and you have a hard time getting reviews, then that's, that's something that you can consider doing. And so that's pretty much it for today. I will talk about a whole bunch of other stuff, like I said, later on. And let's move on to the show. If you're all right with that, Nolan. Yep. Okay. So preface, we have not seen or read the original. We haven't seen any ABC murders. We have not read any ABC murders, nothing. So I felt like that needs to be prefaced because it affects how we felt about this show. 
Another preface that Nolan and I did not aware were not aware of as we watched, and this is for Nolan's information, ABC Murders is one book. It is not a series of books. And so the BBC did three episodes based on one book. I don't think they plan to go beyond one book. They might have if it had done better, um, if they had been able to, um, uh, they could have actually based all of his books because, you know, ABC Murders, it was one book of all, many of, how do you say his name? Perot? Poirot. Yeah, they could have based a lot and they might still. And honestly, it's gotten better reviews since when we first watched it. It's gotten up. It's gone up to 6.6 out of 10 instead of the 3 out of 10 it was originally. All right, so we're going to talk about the original. And I don't want us to talk about anything else other than, not the original, sorry, anything else other than what we this, watched. The adaptation we actually saw. Exactly. So what are our thoughts on, oh wait, give us the setup first. What is the sh- what is the show? Uh, Post World War One, Poirot is a refugee from Belgium from when the Germans attacked, and he solves mysteries, murder mysteries. Yeah. Um, and that's the preface, basically. And then this this per- this particular murderer has something against him, and so he's trying to bait mm-hmm. Poirot. Yeah, the main character. Yeah. Do we are we giving spoilers? We can. I mean, it's a freaking 80 year old. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I mean, so what it is, is this dude wants his um, sister in law's or his brother, his fortune. And so he decides to kill his brother before. OK, the sister in law is ailing. She's going to die. He decides he's going to kill his brother before she dies so that he yeah. for sure gets the money. Right. Instead of um, somebody, the assistant who is going to marry the brother. Um, cause, and she's a little hussy, right? Miss Thing, I believe I called her. Yes, Miss Thing. Anyway, so he sets up the, this elaborate scheme to mask the murder, the main murder. So he kills other people to hide the fact that he is killing, um, his brother to get the money. And why does he target Perot? Perot? Because he does. I mean, it's all about him. It was also a challenge against Poirot and he wanted to make a, a mystery he couldn't solve. Yeah. Because he was so, you know, Poirot's Detect- famous, famous for... for solving mysteries. He was actually semi-retired, wasn't he, when all this started? Yeah, I mean, that's part of the part of this is that he's over the hill. Yeah, and he's been out of the limelight for a while. Yeah, and the letters to him are all mocking. They're slight. They're antagonistic. They're they're not nice. No. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the challenge. It's like, oh, you can't find me. Ha ha ha. Kind of, you know, like I'm yeah. going after people you know. Look how close I am to you, and you still can't find me. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, um, okay, so let's talk about the characters. Uh, who were your favorite characters? Why? Ronald Weasley. <laughs> Actually, he was so awesome in this show. I, I had the hardest time taking him seriously at first. But then I was like, wow, he's, like, legit. He's being... An actor. An actor. Like, he was legit. He was, like, serious. He was composed. He was stu- stu- studious. Is that the word? Study. Studious. He was very... Um, adult he didn't feel at all like a kid he felt like he was in his 40s you know like they they did a really good job with him making him up and he's a a street smart embittered detective detective. inspector guy and i don't know how british ranks are i think he's a detective inspector or whatever but he's he's in charge of investigating murders so he's the counterpoint to semi-antagonistically to poirot poirot because he's like 
the actual investigator and he doesn't like Poirot interfering or outdoing him because then it makes him look bad if he solved, you know, Mm -hmm. Poirot solves the murder and not the actual police. And then he's like, why didn't you tell me that they all involved you? And he's like, I tried. You wouldn't listen to anything I said. Yeah. Um, My favorite is uh, John Malkovich. Yeah, he's good. He was super yes. fantastic, and and I was surprised how much I liked him. He was su- he was serious. I'd never seen him in a serious role before. You know, he's usually like the French guy in Johnny English. You know, or Pascal Sauvage, also yes. French, or Melvin, well, or whatever French, in yeah, Red. Melvin, yeah. Oh yes, he's like fantastic in those kinds of roles. But he was so French awesome. Speaking, I should say French speaking. He's not. Yeah, yeah. No, but he was really great in this role. Um, let's see. Okay, so... It's like he's a real actor and been doing it for a long time. I know. Isn't that crazy? What were your thoughts on the mysteries, the murders, all of that? How they how they did that in the show? I thought it was good. I like this in general. Um, how they handled everything, mm-hmm. personally. Me too. I thought the production values and everything. Uh, on the disturbing side, mm-hmm. a bit graphic. It was, yeah. It wasn't for kids. It's not for kids. So I, I guess the... I like the way they handled it myself. Mm-hmm. I do. I don't have any context. in terms For the original. Of, in terms of the adaptation. Yeah. So... There are some scenes that are, are disturbing, like when Cusp... Is that his last name? Cursed. Kurt. I thought it was Cust or something. Um, when he's punishing himself or having the chick punish him yeah. for murders that... Yes. He thinks he's a murderer, but he's not. So that's one of the twists. It's Cust, C-U-S-T. I didn't catch that. I caught, I thought it was Cusp. Okay, anyway. Yeah, he thinks he's the murderer, which for good reason. Yeah, he wakes up like around murdered people, and so he thinks he's doing it because he has like epilepsy. Blackouts and, and stuff. Out. Yeah. So, But that's part of how the, the setup. bad guy sets it up. Yeah. Is he's trying to have a fall guy, and he can't say he doesn't do it because he doesn't know he did exactly because he was having blackouts exactly so he's so yeah and they set it up fantastically like they show really nicely they they deceive us basically like i thought it was him i mean like i would at first you know because it follows him like there's two viewpoints poirot and cust is Mm -hmm. that his name cust yeah and so you, you that's the only viewpoints that you have and my first thought was, this is a little blatant, kind of a yeah, obvious. Like, right, exactly. But I was like, but I'm fine with that because sometimes we like getting to know the bad guys, you know? And so I didn't realize that he wasn't the bad guy until... Much later. Much, yeah. much later. The third se- third episode, at least. Well, yeah. I, I mean... It, Towards it, the ending of the third exactly. episode. And then you're like, oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because they weave things throughout, you know? We get to know the characters who really were involved and, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so settings and the tone... Dark. Dark, uh, yeah. Post-World War One, pre-World War Two, industrial. Not bright colored. No, I mean, Cust is poor, mm-hmm. so he lives in a dive place that's grimy. Yeah. Uh, Moaning Myrtle. Moaning Myrtle's his landlady. Um, evil Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> She's... More evil. She was 40, or 37 when she filmed Moaning Myrtle the first time. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, yeah, who... Yeah. She still has the same voice. For those who don't know. Yeah. She's not a good cook in this either. Um, but she <laughs> she runs a boarding house, a men's boarding house. And mm-hmm. It's ghetto. And, you know, watching this, I was like, they have no idea that this guy, this murderer, a serial murderer is living there. You know, it's, I really liked it. I really love that spin, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Poirot's not exactly wealthy either, but he's more of a 
living in genteel poverty, I guess. Um, respected, if not forgotten. Yeah. And lives in, like, some apartment, kind of, like, very plain, but not dirty. Yeah. Um, so he's lives austere, mm-hmm. austere life, but... Yeah, and I I liked uh, the I did I like the tone, the theme, the feel. I didn't like all the flashbacks to his, what happened because they were so that was repetitive. Really, they're very repetitive. Like something happened, you know, like and they show the same scene over and over and over. And, and like, there's only three episodes. Of, like I just saw this like five minutes ago, and if you watch the bother to watch the episodes back to back, you see it like freaking twenty times. Yeah, it was quite irritating and jarring. Mm-hmm. They didn't need to keep doing it. No. Multiple times. And then they finally in the third episode they finally start showing more in the flashbacks. So the flashbacks started getting more interesting, but they showed different scenes. You know? I already didn't care yeah. by that point. They'd overplayed their hand on that one. Yeah, it, actually that's true because by that point we already knew what basically what happened. You know, the gun, the guy getting shot, you yeah. know, all of that. But yeah. Okay, sh- so I okay, the show's ending. Do you want to talk about the show's ending? It felt abrupt. Um, I agree. It felt like yeah. it was going to be more episodes, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. And I, I don't have any, I haven't read ABC Murder, so I don't know how many letters of the alphabet they it's, go through. ABC Murders is what we watched. That's it? I ABC read the D? synopsis on Wikipedia while I was preparing it? for this. Yeah, it's okay. just ABC. And the ending Oh, it's literally it. ABC Murders. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was like a whole alphabet, so I was like mm-hmm. expecting 26 letters. Exactly. Well, that's what we didn't know anything about the original, so that's what we went into expecting, and we were both disappointed that they canceled quote unquote the show early but now i'm wondering if it was never meant to be more than just a b c you know right because so it's following the book right so that played into my expectation that it would be longer than it was yeah so we were disappointed and it did it still even still knowing this it still felt abrupt you know yeah yeah it it just took too much of a turn to get to the end. Well, we had two full episodes that were of the murders themselves, and right. then a third, which was like three quarters of the murders, and then it was the last quarter was the climax and the resolution. And so yeah. it wasn't enough. No. no. They spent too much time. Yeah, they, they like, he like figures it out and catches the guy, and it's the end. Like yeah. right at the end, and you're yeah. like, oh, okay. So how could they have done that? Maybe just two episodes instead of three? Because I think they spent a little bit too much time on the other two murders, you know? No, I like. I mean, I like the amount of time they did. They should have spent more time trying to like beef up the ending make, somehow. Run for it, and they had to try and track him down and catch him once they find out it was him. Because it's literally like he sees him, and then he notices a detail. I forget what it is. Well, he, said, he claims smiles. he claims that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then he's like, "Wait a second, he's the one that did it." And then the next thing you know, he's like arrested and in prison. And, and then, well, he's like, I, "We found a fingerprint on the typewriter." And yeah. the guy was like panicking and that's, he's like, yep, for sure. But there was no fingerprint on the typewriter. He lied about it. You know? Yeah. They could have spent more time on that more on the. And climax. I don't know what details they could have fleshed out in it. Cause I don't know the source material, but they could have, it's a but renovation, it really... not a renovation. It's an adaptation. They could have added, yeah, or, you know, they obviously did a lot of um, changing things around because, and we'll talk about that in a little bit uh, the reaction that people had to the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the ending did feel abrupt. Um, this is not to say that you should not watch it though. We both really enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. Yes. And I would rewatch it honestly because yeah, and, I enjoyed and, it that like much. Said, um, well, we can talk about why people didn't like it, but yeah, we'll talk about it. That's the next topic right okay. here. Okay. So my original question was why did the show end early? But then after I started researching, I was like, it didn't actually end early. However, they could have, they might still, they could still go on and make more, um, Poirot. 
I hate that name. I think she could have picked a better French name. <laughs> easier for me to easier for me to say okay. Um, anyway, so fans of the original ABC Murderers and the original, there was like a TV show that was done and did like tons and tons of seasons or episodes or whatever. Fans of that hated Poirot. Poirot has a, has a show. Exactly. Like they based it on the other books. Yeah. Yeah. And so fans of that one hated this one. Yeah. I think this is a cozy mystery, right? It's not. It's crime fiction. I, look, I had to look it up too because, but okay. So but it's not what, as dark as this. It is kind of, it's the main, the reason they hate it so much is this man, the main character was totally different in the show. So in the original, uh, it does not have the same feel. So the original, he's confident, he's headstrong. He's short. He's kind of portly. He's got like a, a little quirky mustache and he keeps his head slightly tilted and he's very, very confident. And the, the Poirot in this show is not like that. He's, he's kind of, bitter he's and tired and, and bitter and yeah. Over the hill. It worked for us quite a bit, but it well, did John not Malkovich work. Which is quite old. So they actually play it. No, he is. I they play John up on that. Like he, at the beginning, he dyes his mustache to try and like appear younger. Oh, that's right. And they and kind of were like, what did, yeah. Yeah. Especially, um, Rupert Grint's character. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> uh, your, uh, dye is dripping there. You know, it's like smearing and he's like, mm. yeah. Yeah. And that actually is a throwback to the, um, books. Apparently later on in the series, he started dyeing his hair. <laughs> um, Anyway, so there were tons of negative reviews. There's actually, it actually shocked us. We were like, when it ended so abruptly, we we're like, well, where's the rest of it? So we went and read reviews and we were both surprised at how many two star and one star reviews the show had. Um, so here's my question. Were those fans right? I mean, were those reviews right? Um, for them, they were. I mean, it is an opinion. Mm hmm. And they're more familiar with the source because they had an expectation going into it. Yeah. That we didn't have. Exactly. So... Yes, they're right. I mean, um, it, they, this, this adaptation obviously wasn't made for people that are fans. That are current fans. But uh, unfortunately, the they tailored their advertising to fans. Exactly. So I think that's important to remember mm -hmm. matching your audience with your... And this is a little different because most of us aren't going to be writing adaptations, but people do do rewrites. But even so, like I'll talk about as part of my takeaway. So um, even so asterisk th thought on that later um but okay so should they have redone it or should they have created a new show redone it yeah should they have done an adaptation or should they have just create a new show well i mean it's about Poirot, so I it mean, is but they could have changed his name and had the same story but yeah they could have done that um but i mean it's still based on I mean, it would just be some other... It's like, should they have not made the show is basically what you're saying. Should yeah. they have made some other murder mystery show? Well, I mean, it could have been ABC Murders. I mean, it's still hard. No. You can't. You, you can't, can't have just, it be... Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry. Um, so, uh, that's... The problem is, like, is it possible to bring in new fans and attract the old? Because we are new fans. Neither of us had ever heard... I, I mean, I'd heard of ABC Murders, but I didn't even know it was just one yeah, book, I, you know? Yeah, I think they strayed too far from the source material to try and... Um, Keep the old fans happy? Yeah. I mean, the, the number one most disappointed fans are people that like Poirot, and the number one people that liked it have... Or never was, interacted with them. Exactly. So, but it, would it be... It's not possible then, are you saying... Yeah, I'm saying it's possible. For I mean, they, they could have gotten end. us to watch it without it being so far from the yeah. original. 
That's true. I mean, I still haven't seen yeah, the original. Because we had no expectations going into it. We're yeah. like, okay, we'll watch it. Well, John Malkovich, that was he it. portrayed, and that was what my... I was like, I want to watch John Malkovich being serious. We saw the we saw the commercial. I mean, he can be serious and still have it not uh, not turn off the original face. But John Malkovich, I guess the, it would have changed the character from what we... And I don't know if I would have enjoyed it if John Malkovich had been an egotistical, confident guy, he you know? He can play that. He can, but I might not have enjoyed it as much. The theme, the tone, you know? It would have been a lighter tone. I mean, it would have been different. Yeah. Okay. Um, if they if they had a different tone that was not as far from the original, they could have gotten both. Maybe. Okay, so that was my next question. The, how to put the, a new spin on things without sabotaging? Well, how can you put a new spin on things without sabotaging yourself? It, that's the age-old question, and in the this age of um, infinite remakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, eventually people will get tired of it if you do it too often. Yeah. I think that's the biggest problem we're having now is sequel fatigue, um, and adaptation rewrite fatigue, mm-hmm. at least me anyway. Yeah. It's like how many times do they have to re give us the re, um... re like wear the skin of something I love as a suit. That the has... origin story. <laughs> like everybody's tired of the Spider-Man origin. I mean, how many times has that been done now? Yeah. Too many. And everyone knows it now anyway, and same with, like, Batman. You don't have to relive it. I mean, it can maybe be in there as, like, a short little clip, but you don't need to have the whole scene. You just don't. Okay. My original comment on this was this show didn't have a chance because the fans of the original slammed it immediately, and new fans wouldn't give it, you know, wouldn't look it up after that. But my new feeling after checking it out again is it's it's good, I think it will stand on its own feet, but gradually, as long as it's available on Prime Netflix for a long time, then those reviews will keep coming in from people who are interested. But they've stopped pushing it because it did so poorly. It did poorly. So it might not ever find its feet, you know? And it's only up for so long. I mean, new shows come out and push it out of the way. Exactly. But so what I'm saying is if it does well enough that they eventually decide to continue with John Malkovich and do other books by Agatha Christie in that same series, you know... Uh, it, I think it would depend on how long, because they recognize that if they wait too long, then it's not going to work out. They should have already had a plan one way or the other. They probably had a plan, but after how badly it was received. Yeah, they, it's probably done. Yeah. I imagine. I really hope that they do it more, but I can understand why they won't, why they wouldn't, you know. Okay, so Agatha Christie absolutely hated Poirot's character. Oh, that's her most famous, famous person. Yep. Um... Okay, the baby just woke up, so we've got a guest for this episode. He's our little four-month-old. Okay, so Agatha, like I was saying, Agatha Christie absolutely hated him. She thought he was an egotistical creep. He was insufferable and detestable. And the only reason she kept writing about him was because the public loved him. So that's called, that's called, you know what? That actually is a really great point. Um, In the 1930s, she was writing to market. Yeah. Her readers loved him, so she kept writing it because it was making her money. That's, I mean, why else would she do it? You know, she hated writing about him. She had very strong feelings about doing it, and yet she still did it. So people don't call Agatha Christie a sellout. People sing her praises, you know? So why do, why are the more literary-minded, or I don't know, even mainstream indie authors believe writing to market is a sellout? I don't know. It is a sellout. Who cares? Take the money. <laughs> Take the money and run. <laughs> uh, 
I, I frequently wish we had cameras because your expressions, <laughs> no one's like, duh, <laughs> duh who cares, hell out. Yeah. <sighs> your mom would be so proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. She can be proud of me in my mansion. <laughs> disappointed in me in my mansion, either one. <laughs> either one's fine with you. Yeah. Well, if she ends up living with us, she can be disappointed in you while living in your mansion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um... Are you ready for trivia? Hit me with that. Okay, so John Malkovich was chosen by Empire Magazine as one of the 100 sexiest stars in film history. Ew. <laughs> You're not attracted to him? I don't find him attractive. I mean, I actually, in this show, more attractive than any of the other shows I've seen him in. Yeah. Sure. We'll go with that. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's cool or whatever, but I don't think sexy is the word I would use. Oh, I forgot to preface the trivia. There's only three things of trivia for ABC Murders, um, this adaptation. And so I pulled from John Malkovich, the top two people, actually. No, John Malkovich and Rupert Grint, because there was no trivia on the other people. Um, he was offered the role of Green Goblin in Spider-Man. No. Well, I, well he... No, he's not physically able... No, but then again, I mean, he could play off, pull off a sciencey nerd guy, and the guy, I mean, he is a what's his face, Norman Osborn. Yeah, you know, he's an intelligent intellect. He doesn't necessarily have to be bulkier, but he is Goblin is. Yeah, but isn't that his based on like he gives himself like potion or something? Yeah. So John CGI can do wonders, Nolan. Not at the time. At that time, no, that was in two thousand two, so not as good. Let's see, he was. He was the first actor to win a major award for portraying himself in a movie. Uh, yeah. It was a non-cameo role. The film was Being John Malkovich. Mm -hmm. And his performance in that is ranked at number 90 on Premier Magazine's 100 Greatest Movie Characters of All Time. It's like, <laughs> wow, so your personality is the greatest personality of all time, or one of them. He was told by the head of the theater department at Illinois State University that he would not have a career as an actor. Ooh, wrong. Yeah. Um, even though he he did not graduate from them, he actually quit to start working as an actor. <laughs> Suck it. Uh -huh. The theater department still claims him as an alumnus. Uh oh. Isn't that, isn't that awful? They're what like... A bunch of, what a bunch of jerks. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah, you'll never be an actor. Oh, but yeah, he totally came here. He's an alumnus. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that. He's fluent in French, French and lived in France for almost 10 years. Oh, there you go. That's and, why he's so good at playing French parts. Like no, no, actually people... Well, yeah, actually his way, way exaggerated French well, role yes, in Johnny yeah. English. Yeah. <laughs> we all like his French accent. Sucks. No, he was doing it on purpose. So he actually has... Speaks French. That's pretty cool. But a lot of the negative reviews said that he does not, he wasn't pronouncing the French terms correctly. And I'm like, I bet you anything he was. And the last person was not the one that those reviewers were like, he was doing it wrong. Well, the person you thought was doing it right was doing it wrong. Because if he speaks French fluently, you know. Anyway, then the last bit of trivia on him is kind of funny. When he was a teenager, he decided that he wanted to get his excessive weight under control. And apparently it was excessive weight because he lost 70 pounds in four months eating nothing but jello. Wow. Okay. There's always room for jello. I don't have that kind of dedication. I do not like jello. I would prefer to lose my excess, excessive weight by eating nothing but Doritos for four months. That might work. It might. I mean, Jello. Yeah, the lack of nutrients alone. 
Yes. It caused you to be ill enough to lose that much weight, I think. But apparently, I mean, it didn't do him that much harm because look how old he is now. Yeah. Actually, how old is he? Uh, I'll have to look that up. But next, I'm going to go on to trivia. He's retired and extremely dangerous. <laughs> yes, but that's so funny because he is not retired and extremely dangerous. He was born in 1953. He's not that old. Wow. He's like 70. 1953? Yeah. Our parents were born... Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, nineteen fifty-four. Yeah, he's in his mid-sixties. My our parents. I hope our parents don't listen to this episode because they will be. You were saying extremely old. Extremely old. (laughs) Can't wait for your mom to hear this episode. I don't know if she still listens. Well, I mean, he's not doing as well as my parents to be quite. No, actually, his picture here makes him look like he's in his seventies. Yeah, that's what I like. Seriously, like, because I was like, oh yeah. He has IMDb, IMDb picture. He looks like he could be an 80-year-old That's man. That's what he looks like, though. So Yeah, bless his heart. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so he was born. He's about our parents' age, unfortunately, for our parents. Because <laughs> our parents look great. I think our parents look much younger than he does. Yeah, I agree. Um, Rupert Grint plays the part of the detective. What's his name in the movie? Detective. I can't remember. Um, anyway, he... Um, <coughs> Oh, Bless you. Um, okay, so he got, Rupert Grant got the part of Harry Potter after only having acted in one school play. So he didn't have stage acting experience. I thought he did totally fine, though. And this I thought was funny. Emma Roberts lists him as, as her favorite actor. And I'm like, well, she had to because the sparks on stage weren't flying between uh, her and him. And so she's like, but I really do like you. I mean, you're a great actor. Yeah. In Harry Potter. Between him and who? Hermione. Emma they did Watson. okay. They did okay. Uh, I thought there were zero sparks they, between they the They did two better of them. than, no. Ginny and Harry. That was really bad. They hate each other, and you can tell. Do they? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I don't know if there's any proof, but just like go back and watch it. They do not want to be there. They yeah, they're, they, there. they act worse than siblings. They like kind of, they're like, they kind of cringe yeah. around each other. Uh huh. Like they're their, not their body language is not good. Yeah, they're not actually acting. They're playing themselves as those Harry Potter characters. Yeah, which is why they have such a hard time pretending they like each other because they're not acting. You know. Yeah, they should be <laughs> acting like they like each other. Yeah. Um. Let's see, Rupert Grint. Okay, so after the immense success of the Harry Potter movies, he was able to fulfill a childhood fantasy of driving an ice cream van, ice cream truck. And then buying an ice cream truck. <laughs> Dream big people and make it happen. <laughs> exactly. I thought that was funny. Okay, so he's has severe arachnophobia and he still hasn't been able to watch Harry Potter 2 all the way through. Or the Lord of the Rings scene, you know. And apparently during while they're filming, his fear was real. All he had to do was imagine the spiders and he was able to pull that off. And then the last bit that I thought was funny. I love how all of his trivia has to do with Harry Potter because that's all he's really known for. Um, the last bit of trivia, he apparently, so in order to be um, auditioned for roles for movies, anybody who was interested in doing it had to write essays on why they should be that character in the Harry Potter franchise. He neglected to write that essay because he said that's what Ron would have done. <laughs> that's awesome. Nice. <laughs> Like, oh, Ron. <laughs> anyway, yep, definitely him. Okay, are you ready to go on to takeaways? Sure. Okay, what are your takeaways? Know your audience. 
hey, that's one of mine. I know. Well, it's obvious on this one. Yeah, it is. Um, they just didn't match up the tone with the audience, and the, they they didn't they had a built in audience that felt betrayed. Yeah, they did. So there's that. Yeah. Um, so even a really good work can be, can, and this I guess is my second takeaway. Even a really good work can fail if expectations aren't met. Or if the expectations related. exactly if they're like uh, in the wrong spot and you yeah. know they yeah. don't. Because I think this is this they did well, but it's not what people want. But but here's the thing: Do, would you say that the trailer showed that he was a sad uh, paro? Not really. I thought they did. did he they? looked serious. Um, like it, the tone serious, of the yeah. show was not bright and chipper. The, no, the trailer was the trailer very was quite dark. dark. Again, that's why we wanted to watch it. But they it. still, <laughs> but they still would want to watch it. I mean, if they really because like it's fans. an ABC murder. Yeah. Yeah. Read um, adaptation. Anyway, there you go. Those okay. are your takeaways. Good. My takeaways. Let's see. The internet sucks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So the show would have done exceptionally well. I would have at least got its foot footing if the reviews hadn't come in so quickly. And so it would have found its true audience faster and easier because people are able to post a review immediately, you know? And back in the day before having the internet, you would watch a show and people like, I hated it, but people would watch it and like it. And then it would spread that way, you know? And they would continue advertising without knowing exactly how people were feeling about it. And it would have found its, its footing, I think. Mm -hmm. um, it, this is exactly, this is the same as Nolan's takeaway, basically, but a slight different take on it. So work hard to find your audience and make them happy. Uh, don't change the story, story for the audience unless you want to find the audience that will appreciate your story. And so this is not necessarily an adaptation. This is taking your story and figuring out who would best like it and then serving it to them or if you're interested change your story to fit the audience you want it to match yeah i mean you should you should know who you want to talk to because i mean if you're like i wrote a, a really dark mystery and then you're like here cozy mystery people and then they're like yeah this is not what we want and then yeah. you get bad reviews but maybe it was really good but it just was just, targeted to the wrong people exactly you're yeah. like here are people that like my little pony read my dark mystery and they're like ew this isn't my little pony at all you know, yeah, but it's still a really good one. You know, still really good. And then, yeah, but you have all these one star reviews, and then it's downhill from there. And then Amazon hates you, and then you know, <laughs> yes, and then the Amazon gods curse you. Yeah, and you have to stay in your regular job forever. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually very applicable to me and my new series. If based on well, because. Here's another thing with my ads that are going right now. They have the full description in them. So they might be getting bitter clicks by the people I'm targeting because they have the full description. So I think that doing that, the man on the book cover versus the just the magic with the full description will get us better results because I am targeting urban fantasy readers and my book is an urban fantasy book. And so... I know that my book is urban fantasy, so I don't want to change the story. I don't want to have to find a new audience for it. You know, I need to make sure that my book hits the the tropes that the urban fantasy readers are expecting, which that's actually another thing that's kind of taboo with a lot of reader authors. They're like, don't write to market and don't write tropes or books that have tropes in them. But like we've said before, tropes are what sell books, you know, especially, I mean, it is a lot easier to tell people my book is a second chance romance or mine is this urban fantasy or mine is a space opera. Um, my next takeaway is surprise your readers. Pairings, distract them, lead them astray, do it purposefully and intentionally. Don't be too obvious. Um, readers are smart, but don't be too vague because it can lead to the wrong conclusions, which annoys readers. So this is talking about Cust, how he's not the actual murderer, 
but we thought he was all the way through more than half, like three quarters of the movie or the show. We thought he was the murderer. And so this is a great thing to do to readers. And it doesn't matter what genre you write distraction and, and false, you know, herrings, you know, red herrings, red herrings. Yes. Um, leading them astray. That is good in pretty much any genre, even in a romance, you can do that. Yeah. The, the line should be a bit winding. I mean, even try fill cycles. A lot of the reason why is because they're going after the wrong thing. Yeah. And they realize it and they're like, crap, we wasted a ton of time. And I'm hoping I just cut the baby's coughing, but Nolan's one cough didn't get cut off because he did it while daddy was talking. Because he doesn't know to hold his finger up and say, I need to cough. (laughs) Um, But how do you do it so that, because like I said, if you do it right, it'll be delightful to readers. But if you're too obvious, it'll be annoying. And if you're too vague, it can lead to the wrong conclusion. So how... How do reader? I mean, how do authors do it? Practice and be good at it. There's no way, and different audiences will have different tolerances too. So yeah, and what I said was um, read a lot and watch a lot. Mimic the greats, like copy. You know, you can take a plot that's been done and do it as your own, and then just change all of the main things. And um, that's why people say take your favorite book and write it word for word because then you learn the beats and the you know. All of that. But don't publish it. But don't publish it. No. No, that's Fifty Shades of Grey. She did change quite a bit about it, though, so it's a different story. I've never actually seen it, but... Likely story. Anyway. Yes. (laughs) Likely story. So the baby wants to be involved in our podcast now. Well, he was very quiet for a while there, huh? Okay. All right. Do you have any final thoughts? No, it's good. At least if you've never seen anything. (laughs) <laughs> see wise yeah or yeah Poirot it was our first Poirot so mm-hmm. yeah we liked it but apparently it's not the real one so whatever yeah and I posted on Facebook and I had no idea that there was even a TV show based on it like none of that I posted on Facebook saying I'm we're really liking this and I was uh, I was astonished at how many of my author friends were mad they're like it's horrible I hated it and I'm like how on earth could they have hated it it was so it was so good and it was even people that like that kind of stuff gener- generally and I'm, it's that, because of the expectation yeah the preconceived notion that of who he is which is disappointing that's too bad because I really did enjoy it anyway well that's it for today um we will record our next episode within the next couple days so we're not gonna have a whole lot of updates maybe i'll have some updates on my facebook ads because i'll go start them now hopefully but yeah so that's pretty much for it for today oh you know i just realized remember how we were running a cell on courses we totally forgot about it didn't even give a deadline and i totally forgot to mention it ever again the end we'll run another course another course sell again later um and then we'll give like an actual official deadline and all that um okay so our schedule right now the next we're going to be doing step up is the next movie we're doing right as planned and then my dad has his surgery so depending on how that goes we may or may not have an episode again for a little bit though we do have plans to have graham bradley come back again in August, the third week of August, to do either Pacific Rim 1 or Pacific Rim 2. If he's doing Pacific Rim 2, we will do Pacific Rim 1 before then. And yeah, if you have any questions, go ahead and send me an email, Andrea at selfpublishstrong.com. Where can people find you, Mr. Nolan? Uh, Art with Nolan on Instagram. Not in their shower wearing nothing but a towel. I don't wear towels in the shower. Hey, that, that's, that's what you said after for the Meg episode. Or oh, maybe in the bathroom. In, in the bathroom. bathroom. 
<laughs> I'm naked in the shower. That's a little too much information for our listeners. Is it? <laughs> it seems like pretty standard operating procedure. <laughs> so when I get bored, I go back and listen to our episodes just because I, I enjoy it. I do this with some of my favorite podcasts just to see if there's anything that we've mentioned. And I just, once again, noticed how much, how creepy Nolan used to be. I'm not creepy Before anymore. he had Instagram. Yay! But the creepy was fun. Oh. And then Instagram came and you're like, I'm on Instagram instead of being creepy. Yeah, I replaced being creepy. I'll just be creepy on Instagram then, I guess. <laughs> okay. that's That sounds like you're challenging yourself. Yeah. I'll write scary messages in the mirror when it's all fogged up in the bathroom instead of just telling you that I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> and then you'll take a picture of it and take post it on Instagram. Yeah. And then I will see it next time the mirror fogs up, so I'll think the message was for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I appreciate it ahead of time. <laughs> anyway, all right, everyone, we'll talk to you all later. Bye. Bye. Oh, he said bye. Good job, buddy. <laughs>